and we're back with apologies. We had to take a few weeks off, do some travel, a few industry conferences, Alice, Ahoa, sell a few hotels, can't forget our day job. And we are back with a great guest, Ali Malouf, CEO of America's IHG. We're gonna get his thoughts on the current environment of the travel industry, find out what he's learned from his colleagues at the US Travel Association, and most importantly, what he's hearing from the IHG owners and franchisees. Thanks for joining. Ellie, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. It was good to see you at Alice, by the way. Nice to be back out on the road, traveling for both of us, feeling like some sort of sense of normalcy in our industry, right? Yeah, yeah. Even though it was July in LA, <laughs> which is less than ideal. Uh, but great to see you. Thanks for coming on. I just wanted to catch up and find out what's, where your thought is on the world. Everybody wants to know where we headed. Uh, what are things looking like? Maybe I should start with where are you today? Tell me you're in the office. And what do uh, corporate IHG headquarters look like these days compared to 18 months ago? Well, first, our, our corporate office has really been open since last year and on a, on a light attendance basis, but we've been officially open on light attendance basis. And of course, you know, we're always looking at what to do next to keep our employees safe and, and our visitors safe. Uh, but today I'm in the Intercontinental Wharf Hotel in Washington, D.C., right on the bank of the Potomac River. 278 rooms, beautiful property, uh, rooftop bar, Scott Gerber bar, uh, great uh, Kevin Tien Vietnamese restaurant uh, on the main floor, uh, voted by Condé Nast, uh, the best hotel in Washington, DC. I mean, just a, just a great place to be. And, you know, I'd like to work out of hotels even throughout this crisis uh, when we weren't, when we were mostly working from home. I'd get out of home and work out of hotel two, three times a week, just to change the environment and actually to be close to our colleagues, close to the teams, close to the business. You know, they always had to go to work. We could do this a lot. Uh, they never could do this. And, you know, we were making a lot of plans to keep them safe and our colleagues safe and our visitors safe, but you have to get on property to see if it's actually working. Um, but it's also more fun to be in a property. So what are you learning? So one, beautiful property. So cheers. I like it when people pick great places to host these calls. Uh, but talk to me, what is happening? Feet on the ground there. Pick on that hotel in DC. How's business? What are you hearing? Well, look, our, our weekends are very strong. I mean, I was down here for dinner, um, I think just uh, 10 days ago with my wife and one of my three boys. And they told me, I checked in with the staff, they told me that uh, they were 100% for the weekend. Weekdays have been ramping up. We're starting to get some groups, some weddings, some activities. I mean, of course, like we know we're not through COVID entirely. The, the daily news reminds us of that, uh, but we're on the right trajectory and people's confidence in travel has been returning. So even urban hotels like this one are starting to see some pickup. Uh, this hotel benefits from being in a, in a terrific um, entertainment location too, right on the banks of the Potomac River, lots of great restaurants and retail right in front of it, uh, but still close to the center of power and center of government. And so you can do both. Um, in general, look, Teague, we're not through this, but I think we're in the right direction uh, to get through COVID and to get out of COVID. You had last year, which was the depth of the crisis. How do we manage this? Then we had the scientific breakthroughs. Vaccines fundamentally altered the tra trajectory of COVID. Didn't crush it completely, but altered the tra trajectory. And where you see vaccination rates being high, you see lower government restrictions, lower concerns about travel, more travel. Uh, I mean, you saw the data, July 
U.S. industry hit record rev power, not record for the year, but record ever. Uh, that shows you that that there is confidence in travel where people feel safe doing it. Interesting. So it, it is funny you say that because we were starting to get nervous uh, in third and fourth quarter, right? That things were going to slow down, Delta variant, et cetera. But I, I actually think I'm going to pick up on you. We are still hearing some pockets of a ton, tremendous strength, even into September and October. So not weakness. Um, and fundamentally, I think people are having a little more patience today. At least our investors are having a little more patience. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's not Labor Day when this is all over, uh, if it's next year, that's okay. We're headed the right direction. Uh, we'll get through this. Time is on our friend. We're going to do just fine. And the more we see records being broken, rev par and profits, uh, the like, helps give people confidence. Look, I agree. Um, I can't tell you what September, October would be like, what this next quarter will be like. I hope that it is a time of much lower cases, much higher vaccinations, not just in the US, but around the world, so everybody can get through this. But this I do know, we'll make a higher highs in industry uh, because people's desire to travel leisure and business has proven to be irrepressible. Uh, we, I think we were all surprised by the strong bounce back this summer. And look, I've traveled extensively since May, since June. I've uh, traveled extensively around the country, not just LA, but Minneapolis, Atlanta, New York, Miami. I was in Italy for a week on, uh, on you know, family trip in June. I just spent a week on business in the Dominican Republic last week. I see leisure travelers, but I see also quite a few business travelers. Uh, and yet, yes, we still have some, some COVID to get through, no question. We have more vaccinations to deliver. We have more therapeutics coming. We have boosters coming. So we got to gut our way through this. But if you're thinking beyond the next quarter, if you're a real estate investor, hotel investor, a brand company or a property owner, or somebody that is working across both like you are, what really matters, what do the next two, three, four, five years, 10 years look like? And I think we've proven that people love to travel. They need and want to stay in hotels when they travel. And our industry's fundamentals have been interrupted last year. Yes, interrupted severely, but not altered. Uh, one, sounds like you're single-handedly keeping our industry afloat. So cheers <laughs> for that. Um, but I'm, that made me think, you're on the chair of the US Travel Association. So what are you hearing? Uh, what are you hearing from that? Whether it's international or our federal government trying to help, what are you hearing as chair of that association? Yeah. Well, I'm chair of the CEO roundtable of the US Travel Association. Right. Christine Duffy, president of Carnival, uh, is chair of the association. In fact, she and I just met in Miami on my way to Dominican Republic uh, last week and we had a great time together, catching up, seeing what they're doing, what we're doing. A uh, lot of analogies between the cruise industry and our industry too. Uh, look, we've been focused and US travel really on three things. First is supporting the travel and tourism industry in the United States. One out of 10 jobs, almost 8% of GDP depends on tourism and travel in the United States. So supporting that industry. Uh, last year, we in HLA and other hotel industry associations, I mean, we brought PPP loans by working with government, EIDL loans, tax relief. Uh, and we're still working on more. You saw uh, last week, uh, the GSA announced that they're going to freeze per diem rates at 2019 rates for 2021 and 2022. That's very important for recovering hotels, not to get locked into the 2020 rates, which were artificially depressed. Uh, the second thing we're working on, we have been working on, are just safe protocols across all travel industry. How do we bring back travel safely? What are the right protocols for hotels, for airlines, for conventions? And how do we advocate with local government 
to make sure that those guidelines are clear, but also, but also simple for people to follow. And we've seen travel resume with governments giving clear guidance and states giving clear guidance. The third thing is international travel. I mean, that's been delayed, uh, of course. A lot of the protocols that were put in place and regulations were put in place last year when COVID was raging everywhere and there were no cures or vaccines made sense at the time. We're working now with the US government and other governments to make sure that there are there's lifting of some of these restrictions. Uh, we've seen Europe open up to US travelers if you're vaccinated, like in fact, or if you test negative. I went to Italy for a week with my family by presenting negative tests on the way out and taking one on the way in and filling out a lot of forms. We had a wonderful time. Uh, so you can travel safely internationally with some protocols. So we're working with the US government to open up that travel internationally. First, let's say with the UK, where they have high vaccination rates, other European countries, Canada in the future. Uh, it's good for US business. It's uh, also good for you know our advocacy around our world and our leadership around the world. Yeah, we can't keep tight. I mean, we got to open up. People want to move, movement about. That's the human spirit, right? So we got to go and cheers. Thank you for doing what you're doing to get that, to get all that open because we need it. We need that international travel here. We need to be able to go there. We just need to get things open. Now I'll say we do that from an industry perspective. As ISG, I mean, 70% or more of our hotels in the United States are non-urban. 95% of our demand is domestic. I mean, you saw the July numbers from the industry, record refpar. So it's not really getting in the way of our business recovery right now, although we'd like that inter international travel for the gateway cities, but we actually think it's good for the industry, good for the economy in total, and good for our relations around the world, good for our leadership around the world to open that up. I mean, I don't think it's ever happened in history, Teague, where borders have been closed across so many nations for so long, not even in World War I or World War II. It, it's quite unprecedented. How, are we, in your opinion, how are we doing compared to other countries, Europe and Asia and other places? We should, uh, we should feel good, uh, frankly, about, I'd call it the miracle of our medical innovation that brought three approved vaccines within a year, right? Within a year. Other countries have developed vaccines too, which is remarkable, but in the US alone, we brought three approved vaccines within the year that have brought great confidence to the economy and not just to our sector, but to the economy in general. I mean, I was meeting with, uh, with the cruise line industry leaders in Miami on my way to Dominican Republic last week, I mentioned to you, imagine what their business would be like without vaccines. They're cruising again uh, under CDC guidance that they have to have 95% of their passengers vaccinated. Without a vaccine, they couldn't even get started. These are high capital intensive indebted businesses that really need to get started again. And they're doing it safely again. So we should feel good about that and be grateful to the scientific advances. Uh, we should be grateful, frankly, to our people, uh, people in hotels, our frontline workers, our first responders, our medical workers, hospital workers that pulled through so many people. Unfortunately, too many did not get, make it through COVID, but so many survived and did better because of our frontline workers and medical workers and hospital workers. We should be grateful for them. We're now, where are we? Maybe 62% of the adult population fully vaccinated. Uh, there's more work to do. I'm pleased to see the vaccination rates start to tick up again in the country. Uh, that's important. We all have to do our part to encourage and inform people to take the vaccine. It's a much better situation to be than to not be vaccinated. We know that with the vaccine, the likelihood of hospitalization or even worse is very, very small. Nothing's ever zero, but we know it's very, very small. So we should continue to encourage it. So we should feel good about the progress we made, but we've been learning 
from a disease that's really never struck the world. And so not everything could have been perfect, but have we made a lot of progress? Obviously we have. You talk about the great things happening domestically. Tell me, tell me what you're hearing from your franchisees, from the ownership community. What are you hearing at the granular level? I mean, look, clearly hotel owner owners had a, um, had a very rough year and it's still not over for many of them, right? Uh, when you have the fixed cost of property, of uh, debt service, of payroll, of real estate taxes, and you've got either your life savings as a family business, which many of our owners are in our mainstream hotels like Holiday and Holland Express, Staber Suites, Candlewood Suites, or you're even an institution, private equity fund or sovereign fund or public rate. Uh, I mean, they felt a really big hit from it. And we recognize, and we did our best to help them through last year with fear relief, government assistance, relaxed standards, uh, and we continue much of that today. What we're hearing from today is clearly they're in a much better place. When we're getting to the repar levels that we reach this summer, and hopefully a lot of that will continue into the fourth quarter, um, that just means more revenue to the hotel and therefore more cash available to repay by the debt, catch up on that forbearance, start to think forward. I'd say we started the year with many of them still concerned about survival. Now it's more about how quickly can I recover? How quickly can we get back to where we got back to versus just survival? So that's already a vast improvement. And all of our focus right now is working with them to capture as much business into the hotels, to do it profitably while still meeting great customer expectations. We launched a recovery series in May. We saw this coming in the spring. You know, while many of our owners were still focused on survival, you know, we met with them and we said, look folks, uh, it's probably time to get on offense from defense, right? Last year was exceptional. Un, you know, unprecedented. I think the, the biggest risk for 2021 is missing the opportunity of a strong summer. So let's make sure we're staffed, that we're trained, that we're ready to welcome the waves of guests that are going to start in spring break. And sure enough, enough, as soon as spring break started, you saw the waves of people and then it continued through the summer. So we really worked hard. We had a, what we called it a recovery series of 12 different 15 minute segments, all virtual. And we rolled it out and we had 2000 owners and hotel GMs attend across management franchise hotels. Uh, and they did a terrific job really training their, their hotel staff to be prepared. We know they're understaffed out there today, that there are some staffing challenges, but you know, part of leadership is not just fighting the fire that you're in today, but it's thinking forward and saying, okay, what is the next phase? So we're ready for the next phase and not always reactive. And looking ahead and saying, you know, with some risk, I think 2020, the biggest risk was the downside. 2021, the biggest risk was missing the upside. And I think we helped them capture as much of it this summer. So they're feeling a bit better, obviously still a little bit concerned what's happening for the fourth quarter, uh, but we're hoping for the best. All right, so what does 22 look like? <laughs> we don't make predictions, Atik. I know you're, you're gonna keep trying to get us on the, on the guidance. As a company, we've never given guidance as a policy. Uh, but I'll also say, I, I, we take a longer term view. And I think our owners do too. No one could have guessed what 2020 looked like. Everybody was then wrong about 2021. So why play that you know, unlikely success game? What I would say though, the fundamentals of the industry are unaltered. And what are they? GDP growth in the US and around the world. That stalled for a little bit has resumed. In fact, resumed quite strongly in the US and also in Asia and recovering in Europe. Strong. The second factor after GDP growth is population growth. That really never stopped. And that continues. And as GDP growth 
coincides with population growth in our major markets, which are Americas, Europe, China, uh, you get wealth creation for families and wealth creation for businesses that then gets spent on travel. And so those fundamentals have been interrupted by the pandemic. They have not been altered by the pandemic. They have not been eliminated by the pandemic. It really did feel bad, right? But as soon as we saw people's ability to travel and confidence in travel return, we saw surges of travel. So we know that the fundamentals haven't been, haven't been altered. And our investments in brands and our owners' investments in hotels are not for a quarter for a year. So we try to focus on the long-term. We're confident in the long-term. But you know we're observant of the short term, making sure that we're putting the measures in place so we and our owners can be successful in 21 and 22. So I, I want to stay on this. I want to pick on sort of the, the, the future and the business traveler is really what I'm focused on right now. So what do you think, and maybe it's ISG's attitude towards its own employees and its own people, but are corporations going to continue? I mean, they, they had let people start to travel. That was great. And now you start to see some of the Delta variant, you know, away, you got to lock down. Uh, maybe it's personal decisions as much as corporate decisions. Oh, I'm not comfortable traveling. I'm not comfortable going to that uh, convention. I do think it's all temporary. I think by next year, all this is going to be behind us. I just, uh, uh, everyone I talk to feels that way. Uh, I believe it. But in the short term, though, it's a little bit, you know, talk to me about the business traveler and what do you think their mindset is and what's their future? I think we should break, I mean, there are many components of the business travel, many segments. I think we tend to lump all business travelers right. into one segment. There's one significant segment of business traveler that never stopped traveling during the pandemic. That's because their businesses required them to travel. I mean, if you set aside our travel industry, hotels, airlines, cruise ships, restaurants, which were the hardest hit, right? Other industries, good for them, did really well, technology. Transportation, X airlines, right? Construction, can't build homes fast enough, right? Right now in this country. Entertainment, medical, pharmaceutical, financial services. You start to add up all these, and many of these are industries, manufacturing. Many of these are industries that need to move people and product to certain places. They're not the glamorous, you know, business first class trip, New York, LA for a tower meeting and fly back. That professional set consultants, bankers, important customers of ours. Yeah, they stayed home for the most part and went virtual. But when you have a construction boom and you got to deliver appliances and lumber and roofing to a job site, you're not doing that over a platform like this, right? You got to get in a truck. You got to stay at Holland Express along the way and on the way back and you got to drop off that load. Somebody's got to get on site and get it built. If you're in the energy business and we've seen energy prices come back pretty strong. So if you're in Texas, Dakota, Colorado, you're having to go and, and run that oil operation or gas operation, uh, that energy operation. If you're in pharmaceutical or you're in medical, you have to move equipment around. So there's a whole and probably the biggest uh, business travel segment, uh, the industrial manufacturing you know, set that kept moving. And that sustained our brands. I mean, our extended stay brands, Candlewood Suites and Stabber Shoes, I don't think went below 60% occupancy throughout the whole pandemic. Uh, and they were at 80 uh, in June. So that tells you that there's one whole segment of, of industry that kept traveling with safe protocols, masks, distancing, everything that we did in hotels to make them safe. Then you have sort of your professional consultant, banker, you know, you and I who had the fortune to be able to work remotely, 
Uh, those started coming back. We saw them on the road. Many corporations told us that they were starting to have in-person meetings. We saw some conventions happen. Your conference happened in Atlanta, right? Happened safely. Alice happened to happen safely. Will there be some that take a pause? That's likely, we don't know, as the news flow and the case flow you know, goes up and down. But we know that the trajectory is to punch through it with strong vaccination and increased confidence. We know what the destination is. There could be some turbulence along the way, but we know that both business travelers on the professional side and certainly the industrial side, those, those men and women never stopped moving. So you, that was great. You answered my question. I was thinking, what brands did you learn performed the best in the pandemic? Hot Express, Candlewood, all the easy makes sense, right? And sort of the leisure uh, drive to uh, leisure markets uh, and resorts and sort of the like probably did the best. Um, I wonder where the, what you see is sort of the future. Like, where is it going? What do you see, which brands you see performing the best? And then I'll come back and ask as our industry, how do you think we're going to change? How do you see brands evolving? in three, five plus years? Look, we, um, we have a broad brand portfolio. We just announced a new upper upscale collection brand, you know, a couple of weeks ago with our half year results. More on that very soon. Stay tuned, uh, my friends. Uh, we're very excited about that. I'll tell you, look, all of our brands really um, surprised us in some cases. One sort of a limited service brand surprised us in their resilience. Um, and they have a long history, really, and a lot of recognition. I mean, Holland Express this year reaches its 30th anniversary and its 3,000 hotel is opening this year. So that's 3,000 hotels in 30 years. That's basically 100 a year <laughs> opening around the world. You know, I think almost 2,500 here in the Americas, uh, a phenomenal machine that people are really attached to. You know, that legacy matters. I'm sitting in the Intercontinental Wharf in Washington DC today, Intercontinental celebrates its 75th year anniversary this year, 75 years, over 200 hotels open, almost 7,500 development, which when you look at that sort of one third ratio, tells you the brand is still relevant. When one, you got one third under development of what's already open, the largest luxury brand in the world at 200, another plus or minus 75 under development around the world with some great ones in the US. I mean, in the middle of the pandemic, the new Intercontinental Luxury Hotel downtown Bellevue got a massive financing package that you read about, what, $700 million financing package for that whole luxury uh, residential retail project, strength of the brand, strength of development, strength of the developer partner that we have up there. Um, we inked a deal to open Intercontinental in San Antonio, uh, was announced recently this year. So that brand continues to grow. So we were actually uh, very pleased with the performance and the interest of our brands. Although I'll tell you, I mean, like we all hit record lows, right? Last year yeah. across the board. But, but when you look at the trust that guests and owners showed in our brands, not just in the Americas, but around the world, that, that was really reinforcing to us. It showed us that in the depth of the worst crisis the industry have, guests still had confidence in our brands when they came back to travel across the range from luxury to limited service. And owners still had trust in our brands. I mean, just in the first half of this year, we opened a hotel every working day. So you had 180 working, not I mean calendar days, maybe 120 working days. We opened about 120, 130 hotels. We signed 200 hotels. So more than one, a calendar day uh, as we're recovering from a pandemic. And so I think that shows the deep trust that our owners have in our brands. And that's very gratifying. We're very grateful for that. 
Uh, th and that's impressive. Sorry, it just is. And and I agree with you. It's a hats off to the development community, uh, as crazy or brilliant as they may be in our space, and we all know who we're talking about. So cheers to them. So tell me, what can you tell me about the new brand? I'm curious. Why did we feel we needed to add the that to our repertoire? Look, I think you could. If you look in our portfolio, we've been very thoughtful uh, and deliberate in the introduction of new brands. We have a portfolio of existing brands that are tried and true, highly trusted. We just mentioned them. Plus Crown Plaza, Kimpton Hotels and Restaurant that we acquired six years ago. Deeply trusted brands that have a meaning, a purpose. Many of them started by people. One trip started Intercontinental, a real person whose legacy runs through the brand. Bill Kimpton, a person whose, whose personality is infused in the brand. Kimmons Wilson, whose personality and, and life was infused in Holiday Inn. So, these are brands that meant and still mean a lot to people today and going into the future. Uh, but you know, we look at our, our portfolio and see demand from two people, from customers that want more upper upscale uh, portfolio brands in ISG, they wanna stay at more upper upscale with ISG, uh, but they still want the distinctiveness of an independent feel and, and local feel of a property. And we have owners who wanted to develop or own um, you know, independent brands or independent properties that have their own personality, but still affiliate with a strong brand family like ISG. And so we saw that we, we didn't have that offering. Like we had, we had Voco, which was upscale conversion. Then we had Kimpton, which was, you know, restaurant, bar, strong identity. We had Intercontinental, which was, you know, the, the largest luxury brand in the world. But we did not have somewhere for for strong personality brands that had their own identity to affiliate with us at the upper upscale level. So we're just meeting the needs of owners and guests. That's really where we converge to say, okay, we're gonna introduce a brand, not because, well, there's a conference coming, folks, let's get together and, and get a brand ready. <laughs> uh, I like that style strategy better than the other one. Um, so uh, let's talk operations and sort of wrapping up, but what do you think you learned from an operations standpoint. I mean, there were some efficiencies that we were able to learn, right? Cut some of the amenities, maybe some of the housekeeping. Uh, what do you think stick with us long-term? Uh, what do you think are short-term? Yeah, I mean, I put it into three categories. The first category are, look, all of us in this industry and even in every travel sector reduced a lot of amenities and services just for safety, just for contact, just because we couldn't have even enough staff there to do it. Now, getting past the pandemic, as travelers have returned and owners are able to sustain operations, we put sort of the services in three areas. Some that are really intrinsic to the travel experience, our guests love and need, that we had suspended, that we're bringing back. Like our you know, beloved Holland Express and Sabre Suites breakfast buffet. We altered it a little bit, refined it a little bit, but that is truly intrinsic to those brands guests want it and need it and makes a big difference in the value equation. So that's coming back. Then the second bucket are ones who come back, but perhaps modified. Housekeeping for limited service hotels. Uh, can we make it more tailored to guest needs than a simple approach across the board, no matter what you need, right? Uh, that meets the needs of the guest and also helps owners sustain operations when it's very hard to staff right now. Can we find a, a modified solution that meets guest needs and owner needs? And the third one are things that probably have no sense to come back. If you look at a lot of the collateral and sometimes clutter that we had in rooms that took up time from staff to change, to move, to re-put in, 
Do the guests really care about all that collateral, all that paper, all that plastic that we removed? I'd say some of that probably doesn't come back into the room. So those are the three areas. We've made some decisions along the way. We'll continue to work with our owners to make different decisions along the way that meet guest expectations, but also strengthen owner returns. We know you mentioned staffing. We know that's a major problem everywhere. How long do you think that continues and, and how does it work itself out? You know, staffing was tight to, to be fair before the pandemic. A combination of strong demand, not just across our industry, but across other industries that are service oriented. Um, aging of the population, diminishing birth rate, right? We saw this year, what was it? Was it this year, the first year that the US average, you know, population shrank a little bit, right? Average uh, age sort of declined a little bit. So, and, and, you know, tighter immigration, you put the three things together and we were facing a little bit of tightness on labor before COVID. This has exacerbated it. And now with a stronger economy coming out of COVID and people that left the industry that have found gainful employment elsewhere, some of them will come back because it's a great industry. Some of them are pretty busy doing what they're doing. You have to be realistic. They probably don't come back in the short term. So I, I think, yes, uh, the government programs that go into next month have had some effect. I don't think that's the only thing. I think we're going to be dealing with some labor constraints for some time. That's why we're thinking more long term about the changes that we make to meet guest expectations and also owner returns. So we're a people industry, right? All the things we've known. Yeah. We're only as good as our people at all levels, right? The joy, the reason we're all in hospitality um, from top to bottom. Um, I, I'll, I'll give you credit as the leader. I think you've done a great job with IHG. Um, I think your people, uh, I hear that all the time from your people uh, up and down. So cheers to you. Uh, we need more good leaders in our industry. Thank you for con continuing to be there. Uh, and I don't know if you have any comments, you know, all the stuff going forward. I know IHG does a great job on sustainability and and uh, carbon and and social and all the stuff you guys are doing all the right moves so kudos to you look um it's clearly something that's been part of our culture teague and 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 you know frankly people expect that our customers especially our corporate customers expect commitments and performance on sustainability uh and responsible behavior our guests expect it to our leisure guests are asking us about it our owners want solutions that are effective but help them comply with the inevitable regulation that's coming not just in the US, but around the world. Uh, and our colleagues, our team members want to feel like they're part of a business that operates responsibly. So we have made some significant commitments, for example, for significant carbon reduction measured and tracked over the next few years that we disclose. Uh, we've committed to near zero or zero carbon footprint for new builds in our limited service hotels by 2030. Uh, we're working on water and waste reduction. Uh, we've committed to improve the lives of 30 million people around the world through education, through training, through disaster relief. Uh, look, it's happening right now. I mean, if you look at what's happening in the US, we've got wildfires in the West, hurricanes in the East, a um, sad uh, but fast return to refugees from Afghanistan. And our hotels are working across all those fronts to comfort the people through these, through these events. So we're operating responsibly in our markets is a fundamental part of our culture. We've made some serious commitments to that. It's a people business beyond that. It's a people business with our owners. And one thing that I do regularly, weekly, is sit down and talk with our owners. I mean, the, the billions and billions of dollars that they invest 
to grow brands, our brands in particular around the world is something we're deeply grateful for. Um, and we're always listening to them to see how we can make sure that the trust they're putting into our brands is returned into, into strong investment returns for them. I'm meeting and having dinner with six or seven of them tonight here at the hotel. I try to do that everywhere I go. I was Dominican Republic last week, met with half a dozen of our owners in the market, existing and prospective owners. You learn so much from them, from every market that you go to. Um, they are a driving force in that business, driving force of your business too, of course. <laughs> So, and I mean this, Ellie, thank you for everything you're doing. Thanks for the, your uh, U.S. Travel Association. Thanks for your H in L.A. helping Chip Rogers. Um, thanks for being the leader. You got to have these leaders in the industry. Thanks for being a mouthpiece for us. You're in Washington, D.C. right now. Thank you for all of that. Um, I, and I mean that. Thank you. And it was great to see you and Keith and Joel all at uh, Alice. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'm ready for the next one. We are too. T, great to spend time with you. Thank you for for being a leader in the industry yourself um, and making a big difference. Thank you for staging the first comeback conference this year and breaking through the anxiety that people had about conferences um, and for facilitating the economic health and prosperity of so many owners by, by ranging the capital in many different ways for them. Uh, without leaders like you in the industry, that, that essential capital that drives this industry uh, would not be present. And, and when you go to parts of the world where this industry doesn't prosper as much, it's mainly because there's not the access to capital. So thank you for what you do. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, and I enjoyed, I mean, we're people, people, and we have the best people in this industry. Nice that we have capital. Nice, nice that we have a place where people can, can that wants to attract capital. But I believe in our people. So, Ellie, thank you very much for the time. Cheers to you and your team and everything you're doing. And let's stay in touch. All the best to you and your team. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ellie.